You're listening to audio from Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. For more information, go to cbcsavannah.com. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. All right, y'all, we are uh, going to pray, and uh, it's Memorial Day, as as many of you know, and I, I, I love history. So I'm kind of this one of those nerds that watches like documentaries on Netflix. I know you guys are like, you don't watch Stranger Things. I do, but I also watch documentaries. And uh, I've been watching one on World War One. Something I, did, I didn't know much about World War One. I've been fascinated um, by some of the things I'm learning. But what I've also just been reminded of is the devastation that man can do to man. I mean, when I heard about some of the atrocities that were going on in Africa and in, in Serbia and all these places that I, you know, I didn't even know about, I just see man is, is desperately wicked um, and needs a savior. And, and I was, a couple things. Number one, I was reminded, I mean, we have a great country we are allowed to live in and none of you were worried this morning, like in Egypt this morning, when our, our brothers, the Coptic Christians and our sisters, were they, when they were on their way to church, they were worried that someone's going to blow them up. Like happened this week, 10 plus children uh, killed. Uh, we weren't worried about that. You weren't. You, you weren't worried about reading your Bible at coffee shop, someone's going to come by and shoot you. Uh, and we have a great privilege, and it has been defended and fought for by so many uh, men and women over the years. Many of you military go over and serve us faithfully. I just talking to a guy this morning, he's heading to Afghanistan for a year this week, leaving his family uh, behind and so we are grateful to live here and remember those who have, have died that we might do that. But also, I'm reminded of this. Every Sunday for us is a Memorial Day. Whether you know it or not, the reason we worship on a Sunday is because something happened that was pretty important on a Sunday, uh, is that Jesus came out of the grave, that he gave his life. And here, here's the thing. We, we, we celebrate and remember those who gave their lives for us to defend. Jesus gave his life for his enemy. You hated him. You were resisting him, and he still died, and then he rose again, and that, that is ultimately why we're here. And so let me pray. Uh, just let's thank God for the fact that we're allowed to be here this morning, that we live in a country where we're free um, for now, and that we just have the privilege of opening the scripture and hearing from Jesus this morning uh, in his word. So let me pray. Father, I, I thank you for in your providence that we are allowed to live in a time such as this. We are so blessed, and we use that phrase, and it's just so cliche, I know, but we, we really are. No one in here is worried about not eating this week. No one in this, in this room is, is worried that 
someone's going to attack us on the way home because of our faith, which has not been the case for 2,000 years and, and certainly not for Christians especially. And so we are grateful Freedom, we all have Bibles on our phones in front of us. We, we have the very words from heaven. We have Jesus' own heart and mind sitting in our laps. And so I just pray that we would just not, not take that for granted. We thank you for so many who have defended um, these freedoms, these liberties that we so callously just kind of forget. Um, we ultimately thank you for the freedom in Christ that he purchased on the tree for our sins, that he satisfied your wrath, Father, that he rose again, declaring, being declared the son of God in power, and that he is coming to rule and reign. So we worship him. I pray that as I open the scriptures, that your, your spirit would just have free course to run through this room as you did in the first service, to mold us, to make us love you more. That's my prayer, that those who are, are Christian in this room would, would, would love you more. Those who are not would, would come to have their eyes open and see clearly the gospel, that you love them and that you desire a relationship with them. We pray in Christ's name for his glory. Amen. Thanks. You guys can have a seat. If you got a Bible, we are in Luke 10. Um, and this will actually be our last week in Luke for a while. Um, we're going to take a break for the summer. We've been in this book for 26-ish weeks now. So we're going to take a little break and we'll come back to Luke in the fall because some of you are looped out. You're like, Luke? I'm not, Luke, I'm, not, you know, I'm sick of Luke. So I don't want you to get sick of the Bible, so we're going to take a break from Luke. We're going to go to an Old Testament book, and we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, for the summer. Um, but we get to close out with this great little story, great little narrative, kind of familiar to many of us if you grew up in the church. But, you know, with the busyness of just the season of school ending, and I don't know about you, you know, I got four kids, three different schools. I mean, projects, I mean, second grade projects are the worst. I don't care if sea animals anymore. I don't care about Thomas Jefferson right? Okay, I don't care about these things. I mean, these projects drive you nuts, and you know, your graduations, and baccalaureates, and this, and that, and sports teams, and, and as we kind of transition to summer, I think the lesson that Jesus is going to teach us is just so appropriate, because he's going to remind us, as many of us are worn out and ready for a little bit of break, he's going to remind you what is the most important thing. Remember, for those of you, some of you weren't born yet, but 1991, there was a movie called City Slickers, Billy Crystal, right? And he had this curly, this kind of rough and tough cowboy dude, and he's trying to like, you know, take these guys on their little ranch deal, and Mitch, Billy Crystal, is talking to him, and and curly, this old salty guy says, you just got to figure out what that one thing is. It's that one thing. And Mitch is like, well, what's the one thing? He's like, you got to figure it out, right? You got to figure it out. Well, Jesus is going to say kind of the similar thing. He's going to say, there's just one thing that's the most important thing. But he ain't going to let you figure it out. He's going to tell you what it is. It's not what I think the one thing is. Jesus is going to kind of zoom in and say, look, in all the busyness and all the chaos, and, and maybe there's a temptation after the last couple of weeks because we're about do, 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 do. It's just one thing that matters. What is that thing? Jesus is going to talk to us about it today in Luke 10. All right? So Luke 10, verse 38. And we're going to walk through, kind of seeing the main players and just kind of make some application um, of what's going on. Context, where we've been, where, where are we in the book? Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's at the end of his earthly ministry. He has set his face towards the cross and nothing's going to stop him. And he's been teaching really on, on what it means to follow him. So he's been kind of hammering the disciples a little bit. He slammed them a couple weeks ago. Then the next week he's teaching what it really means to follow and all those, what it costs. And then he teaches last week on, on how to love. And this week he's going to teach that, that curly, that what's the most important thing? 
right? What's that one thing? And we're going to see him teach it as he's at the house of his buddies. He's, he's going to be crashing at his buddy's house, right? And that's kind, of, that's kind of significant because, you know, Jesus says at some points that foxes have holes and birds got nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have a, a bed, so it's nice once in a while when Jesus gets to go sleep in a bed, right? Especially when it's a bed of his friends. He's at his buddy's house. And we're going to see these friends, two sisters and a brother. The brother doesn't make it in this story, but their names are Mary and Martha. The brother is Lazarus. He kind of comes back from the dead in a different book, John chapter 11. But we don't see him today. We're just going to zoom in on these, on these two ladies and, and Jesus hanging out at their house, teaching us that one thing. So let's jump in, all right? Verse 38, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. The village is Bethany because that's where we know Lazarus and Mary and Martha live. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So here's our two major players, Mary, Martha. Two sisters, two completely different gals. How many of you have sisters, brothers, and you are like exact opposites, right? Right, how many of you have kids, you're like, is this child even related to us? Because that child is like completely different. Right, that's the way siblings are, right? I got four. None of them are the same. These two ladies are completely different. First, you got Martha. Martha Stewart, okay? Martha is the oldest. Martha is the busybody. Martha's the one, she got stuck babysitting kid. Martha's the driver, Right, she's a rule follower. So Martha, when she's a little girl, she comes home from school and her little uniform is still nice and clean. And she comes home and puts the shoes in the corner like she's supposed to. And she hangs her bag up and she checks the chore list. And she's not going to eat cookies. She's going to eat vegetables because she's a rule follower. And then she's going to go upstairs and do her homework and get it all done. And she's on the honor roll. And she's going to come down. She's going to wash behind her ears. She's going to get to bed on time. Right? That is Martha. She is a, a, a box checker. Right? She, she's, when she grows up, she's the type of lady, she knows she's like, Mom, come in the room and watch the movie with us. Okay. And she comes in. She's like, oh, wait, the TV has fingerprints. She was, I got to watch it. Okay. Oh, wait, and I got to vacuum the closet. And oh, wait, and I forgot I have a load of laundry over here I got to throw in the dryer. Oh, and I got, my, I got to check my this. And, and, and that's her. She is a doer. Martha is a doer. Mary is a butterfly. So Mary comes home from school and the shirt tuck is the shirt one out, one in, two different color socks, dandelions in her hair. She's singing as she walks down the sidewalk and whistling and skipping. She comes in and throws her stuff. She forgot her homework. Right? She's all about the experience, right? That, that's what she's about. Um, she's always late. She's like some of you. She thinks the 1045 service, that's a suggestion. 1045-ish, right? It's before noon is when we show up at church, before Bill says, that's her. She's all about just being, right? So if these two sisters go on a walk... Martha has got her hat, her sunscreen, her bug spray, her fanny pack, walking shoes, Fitbit, got to get 7,000 steps in 20 minutes, you know, and, and she's, she's on a mission. And Mary is just 
Oh, she's barefoot and wearing polka dots and stripes. And she's, oh, it's the gardenias or something. Can we just climb that tree for a minute, Martha? Right? It's a difference. In the spiritual world, you know, Mary is going to be, you know, she's going to be more contemplative. She's going to be the silence and solitude. She's going to be journaling with her, like, pink and yellow and highlighters and flowers and, oh, isn't it pretty? And Martha is going to have a King James Bible with a concordance next to it. And she's going to be serving and doing and writing and this and that. I'm going to pray at this hour. I'm going to, that's, that's the difference. All right? We say one's a type A, one's a type B. And, and you're one of you. You got to pick a team. All right? If you're a Martha, ra- raise your hand. There's some Marthas in the house. That's what I'm talking about. And you know, this is the difference when you're coming to church, Marthas and Marys. If Martha's driving, you go 85, the shortest route possible so that I can park and get a parking spot and get my coffee and drop the kids off. And, and Mary's like, can't we just go by the water and listen? We should be singing or something and praying on the way to church, shouldn't we? I mean, should we pick up that person on the side of the road and take them to church? That's the difference, right? So there's the Marthas. How many of you are Marys? How many of you don't know? Then you're a Mary. Okay. If you have no clue, you're a Mary. That's it. Okay. Just that. And there's, there's naturally a built-in tension, right? There's a little bit of a, na- a nature to get cynical towards each other. The Marthas think they're better than the Marys. The Marys think the Marthas are crazy. Uh, and you tend to get annoyed. Um, and and, and here's, here's the thing about that, all right? Here's how this text usually goes. If, you, if you've heard this, this text preached before, usually what happens is, is the preacher says, Martha, bad. Mary, good. Don't be a Martha. Be a Mary. All right? And here's the problem with that. God made some of you Marthas. All right? And quite honestly, if everyone was Mary's, we would all starve and, and die. <laughs> okay, that's just the way it is. We need Martha's, right? So, it, it's, it's just not about exalting personality. What I'm going to say, argue, is, is both are necessary, and, and that's, that the problem is not, you know, you got to be a Martha and you got to be a Mary. That's not the idea. In fact, just so you know Mary's, because I'm a Martha, if you tell a Martha to be a Mary, all they're going to do is say, okay, that's another box to check, all right? Wake up, pay bills, read Bible, pray, trip Mary on the way to the bathroom. Okay, be more like Mary. All right. so, so you give us some kind of thing to do, we're just going to put it on a box. So it's not about making you try to be someone else. All right? The problem is not that Martha is a doer. Okay? It's not that she is serving. It's not that she is hospitable. In fact, we need to give Martha a little bit of a break, okay? Because if you were a Martha, if you're, if you're ladies, you can feel this tension. If you're just kind of, you know, wake up 8 o'clock in the morning, it's Saturday morning, and all of a sudden, God is standing outside of your house with his boys coming to your house, how many of you going to be flipping out? Oh, my goodness, I'm in my jammies. Oh, I haven't done my roots in a week. Oh, my goodness, I will have his mac and cheese in the fridge. and All, all, all. all right? So when God shows up with his disciples... And your house isn't clean and you got no food, let's give Martha a little bit of a break, right? Because you'd be spazzing too. So it's not, it's, it's the problem is not that Martha is hospitable. In fact, hospitality is godliness in the New Testament. The problem is this, that she lets a good thing become a bad thing. 
right? So we're going to talk a little bit about that because there's a temptation there, all right? So verse 39, it says, a woman named Martha, go ahead to the next slide because it's not clicking on my thing here. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. It probably started off good where, you know, you kind of, okay, Jesus is here. So Mary, you're going to have this, this responsibility. I'll have this. So Mary, you take care of everybody. Get them settled in the den. You know, kind of get, get everyone kind of seated. And I'll take care of over here. And that worked for a while. But the problem is this. After a while, Martha's still in the kitchen. And she's, serving, and she's thinking, where in the world is my sister? She kind of looks around. And there's Mary, the little pink highlighter, sitting at the feet of Jesus, smiling and asking questions and enjoying herself, right? And, it, and Martha is ticked. She cannot believe, she, I can't believe she's in there. I'm in the kitchen, doing all stuff, that selfish little girl. Mama should have beat her. I think I sit around and do my quiet time at the feet of Jesus, but no, I gotta do this. And it says that Martha is the word distracted. And, it, and the Greek word literally means to be pulled away. That Martha has been pulled away with serving. Right? And you can just picture the sighing and, the, you know, she comes in and she, you know, the plates and kind of, everything all right, Martha? Yes, it's fine. Right? Have you ever, you've been this at your house, right? Does anyone ever take out the trash anymore? I'll do it, Dad. No, it's fine. I'll take it out. I'm the only one that does anything around here. I'll be, right? That's, the, that's where she is at, right? It, and it's, it's, at some point, I mean, maybe Mary says something. Maybe like, hey, Martha, could, we're almost out of olive oil. Could you get some more? And it's just like, boom. It's, it's, that's it. The last straw, she's had enough. And she went up to Jesus and she says, Lord, do you not care? Now, think about this now. This is the beauty of a type A person. You always know where they're thinking. And this is the problem with the type A person. Sometimes you don't want to know what they're thinking. But she just, she's going to be very vocal. She's going to be very verbal. She's going, Jesus, Lord, don't you care? That my sister has left me to serve? Can you think about this now? This is the son of God. And she is kind of in his grill. You don't care, Jesus. Thinking if if I'm Jesus, I'm like, I kind of do. I'm kind of here to die and atone for the sins of man that I created. Thanks for the brownie, Martha. But, you know, I kind of care. But then then she gives Jesus an order. Tell her to help me. She's not in a good place, right? She has become so resentful. And her zealousness to do good, she has turned it around and now she is yelling at the Son of God. Now, how many of you, Marthas, is it, you've been there. You've been like, well, I'm the only one that's doing anything. No one ever helps. No one cares. No one loves God like I do. Now I'm the only one, right? That, that, that's a struggle, And Jesus is so gracious. Look what he says. He says, Martha, Martha. And the the double use of what's called the vocative there in the Greek. The double use is, it's just emotion, Martha. Martha, you're anxious and troubled about so many things. Right? 
You're serving, you're busy, you're doing all this, and I love you for it, right? But, but here's the thing. One thing is necessary, and it's in, super emphatic in the Greek text. It's, it's like one is the first word. One thing is necessary. One thing is important here. One. And Mary has chosen the good portion, right? It's not gonna be taken away from her. So just... Take off the apron, Martha. Take it off and come and sit with us. Get your King James Bible with your Strong's Concordance, whatever you want, but come in and be with us. It's, it's this invitation, such tenderness and compassion, compassion from the Savior, right? That's why we love him. I mean, even after Martha has slammed him, he's like, will you just come and hang out with us? Just come, sit with us. So what's the point? Short little passage, short little narrative, pretty straightforward, right? Let me, let me just give some practical takeaways for us. And the biggest takeaway is this, right? What is that one thing? Martha is all about what she can do. She's about offering her presence to God, right? Right, here God, I made my bed. Here God, I read my Bible. Here God, I did this. Here God, I, the house is clean. Here God, I made a seven course meal. Here God, I, I did this. Here, she, she's all about offering presence to Jesus, and it's not that activity is bad. That's not the point. But it's a priority issue. That here's, here's the first thing and the most important thing I want us to get today is that God desires our presence before... Man, I did that again, Marky Mark. There we go. Go ahead. Our presence, C-E, you got it? Before our presence, T-S. He wants our, our being before our gifts. That's a huge piece for us, y'all. It is a relational piece that, that he is honored more by first us sitting at his feet and listening than working hard. It's so interesting. When you look at Mary in the New Testament, this is not Mary the mother of Jesus, it's Mary of Bethany. Every time you see her, you know where she's at? She's at Jesus' feet. Every time. Right, so she's at Jesus' feet here, and John chapter 11, when her brother dies, she runs up to Jesus, and she falls at his feet, and says, Lord, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then, and then the next chapter, they're all at his, her house again, and she takes out this, this expensive perfume that cost a year's salary, and she breaks it open, and she anoints Jesus, and she's sitting at his feet, washing his feet with her hair. Every time she's just at his feet, that's, that's the good piece, right? That, that the relationship comes before the doing. How, for me as a doer, I'm a doer. I want to wake up. I cannot sit still for two minutes. And for me, just to be reminded that it's not my doing, 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 that Jesus is not for your activity. He wants first for you to be with him and sit at his feet and talk to him and him be able to talk into us and speak truth into us. And that, look, there's nothing wrong with serving, but the priority of the servant is first to hear the voice of the master. It says nothing to do with personality, y'all. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Notice the order. They hear my voice and I know them and then they follow me. Got the order? Hear, know, then do. That's a huge piece for us, right? And how do we know the voice of the shepherd? Y'all, he has given us his voice. He has spoken his heart. 
He still does. His word is, is, is his heart for us, what he wants us to know. And the, the response of the sheep should be like, I just, I just want to be with Jesus. I want to sit at his feet. There should be, there should be this like anxiousness and, and, and excitement. I, 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 and it's kind of a, a little bit weird, but it, it just works for me in my simple mind. Our dog, Milton, he loves, our, he loves my wife. I mean, he loves that woman. I mean, she comes in the house and he is jumping all on her for 20 minutes and barking and barking and jumps in her lap. And he's like 90 pounds. He thinks he's like five pounds. He's a 90 pound dog. And he just cannot get, he's biting her wrist and just, he, he just loves being with my wife. Now, when I come in the house, I just look at him and he runs away. He's like. But I mean, he just loves being in the presence of my wife. Jumps on the couch with her, jumps in the bed every time. And I, I just feel like the heart of the sheep should be just that kind of excitement that I get to be with Jesus. Y'all, this is the God of the universe. And, and I know we have this like, kind of picture that what he's doing is like, okay, Jesus has got the disciples and he's in the room. He's got a whiteboard. And he's like, okay, Peter, you're going, you're going to Decapolis and okay, you're going to Tyreside and we're gonna do discipleship and this is what we're gonna do and this is we're gonna plant church and we have this idea that he's about go, 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 do, do, do. That is not this Jesus. He is sitting there. He's probably laying on his side. They're kind of lounging around and he's just being. And what he wants for his church sometimes is just to be. And so Revelation 3, very famous verse, says, behold, Jesus speaking, I stand at the door and knock. This has nothing to do with about coming to faith in Jesus. It has everything to do with the, with the church. I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat and dine with him and he with me. It is a fellowship verse that Jesus is saying there's, there's people in the church that he's banging on the door and he's, and, and he's not allowed inside. He said, I just want to come in. I want to I wanna hang with y'all. I want you to be. Now, how... This is so different than any religion of the world where every other religion of the world is you gotta do, you gotta earn, you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta do all these things for God. You gotta kind of, and, and Jesus says, no, I want first a relationship and intimacy. That's what I long for. That fuels everything else, right? Th- that, that knowing who he is is more important than what you can do. And I think there's a danger for many of us who love to do, you're the Marthas in the house, and your busyness replaces relationship. Your doing replaces knowing. And we have filled our lives with Christian stuff. This many Bible studies, this many this, this many that. And he's just like, hey, would you just come sit and let's eat some crackers together and just relax some time? Here's a question I want you to ask yourself. Super practical, I think. This is, this is for you, Christian. Does, is Jesus missing you? Has it been a while? Where have you sat at his feet? In the busyness of life, in the chaos, you got all this stuff, right? Jesus is the good portion. That's what he says. Mary has chosen the good portion. The, Jesus is the good portion. Look, whatever you think you can do, this, this meal that she's created, it's a, let's say it's a seven-course meal, and it's just 
beautiful and the forks are all in the right spot. You know what? In 12 hours, that meal is going to be gone. Physically, literally, metaphorically, it's done. It's going to be all out. But Jesus says, the time you spend with me, that's, that's, that matters. That will last. And you will never be the same. So I ask you, what, what is keeping you from just being at the feet of Christ? Spending time in his word. And I know some of you are like, well, I don't know how to read the Bible. Hey, just read the passages we've been in, if nothing else. Listen, back, go back and listen through the sermon. And, 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 but what is keeping you? Because look, I know everyone's excuse, well, I'm busy. I'm busy. Busy, busy, busy. Every, everyone's busy. Everyone has the same amount of hours. It's not like you're like, well, I only have 16 hours in my day. You get 24. I mean, I'm on the shorter, I'm on like Venus, you know, or something. Everyone's got the same. The point is this. You will do what you value. Right? So if you're like, if you value exercise, you're going to go and you're going to cut out 90 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever, which is good, by the way. If you value, you know, watching three hours of Netflix a night, you're going to do that. You value, you know, spending time on Facebook, like, like, love, like, like, love, like, unfriend, like, like, like. If that's what you value, you're going to do it. If you value sitting at the feet of Jesus, you will do it. Period. Right? And so, and, and look, and, and you Martha's in the house like, I already do it. I spend 37 point, average of 37.7 minutes a day in the word of God. Right? And I got my box to prove it. Right? We're not talking about checking a box. We're not talking about legalism. We're talking about sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so let me just encourage you. We're starting a new series next week. We're going to spend nine weeks this summer in the book of Daniel. All right? Famous book. Um, just spend next week reading chapter one. I'm going to preach ne- chapter one next week. Whole thing. We're going to do chapter one the first week, chapter two the next week, chapter three. The th- I mean, it's pretty easy to follow this one. We're going to have bookmarks in the back, but you can get ahead and just read it. And I know chapter seven through 12 are like kind of scary because they're kind of apocalyptic and we'll deal with that when it comes. But um, just, a f- just maybe renew afresh some time with, with, with Christ. Speak to me through your prophet. Write some thoughts down, write some questions, whatever. Jesus is missing some of y'all. And he sent me to tell you, right? And so that's the most important thing, your relationship with Christ. Here's the second point, is, is we need to guard against achievement and, and against achievement over commitment, doing over being, right? Um, because the result is this. Let me give you three quick results. If you're kind of Martha and it's all about doing it, number one is you will have no joy. You'll be slamming the door, oh, fine, slamming the dishes down. I'm fine, I'm the only one. That'll be you, right? There'll be no joy in that. It'll be a duty. And there's some things I get. We gotta wake up, we gotta go to work. And, there, and there's a little bit of a, of a grind to that, but that's not the service that God wants, Number two, there's going to be conflict. There'll be a relational conflict because you're going to look down on people like Martha's looking down on Mary. Well, I'm the only one in my community group that does anything. I'm the only one in this church that does anything. I'm the only one in my, on this board that does anything. And she's mad at her sister and she's mad at Jesus. Right? And what's very interesting to me is this. Martha thinks she's right. Doesn't she? In fact, the, the way the, the Greek text is structured doesn't come out that, that clear in English. But when she asks the question, don't you care? She's assuming that Jesus is going to rebuke Mary. 
And what does Jesus do? He rebukes her. Because when you're like, I'm the better, this is the way you should do it, you're always going to be blinded, which is just arrogant and pride. You're always going to think you're better. And there's going to be conflict. And the third thing is going to be, there's going to be burnout. It is. Because you're trying to earn God's favor and you're trying to do, do, do to make God happy and make you love you more and you will burn out. And think about this. Who's the one that set the bar so high in this deal? Did Jesus come in like, okay, here's what I want. Did he come in like some diva, like concert, like I want this and this or this kind of bottle of water? He didn't, ex- he didn't set anything. These expectations are all Martha. She's put on herself. I gotta have the house clean. I gotta have this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. A simple meal would have been fine. I mean, this is the guy who took a couple loaves and fish and fed 5,000 people. She could have brought in a piece, like a piece of matzah and he'd be like, everyone eats. It could have been that simple. So really, it, this is all her. All right, she has set her kind of religious expectations on herself. It was not Jesus who laid that burden. And I'm wondering how many of you have laid burdens on yourself and you're just burnt out because you're doing so much. I got this, I got this, the money, Tuesday, Thursday, and you're just like, no joy there, but your duty, you're gonna duty it, you're gonna, you're gonna drive, you're gonna burn out, right? And we gotta come back to y'all that our significance, our culture places significance on how you look and what you do. That's the two big things. How you look, how skinny you are, how big you are, how tall you are, how handsome you are, how pretty you are, that's where their value is, and then in what you accomplish. Those are the two ways our culture, I don't care what they say, that's where you find value. And what we have to, as a church, come back to is, no, your significance and value has nothing to do with externals, has everything to do with the finished, completed, done work of Jesus on a cross and then out of the tomb. Everything rests there. You don't have to earn anything anymore. You don't have to be something different. You just have to put your faith in that. And that's where we got to keep coming back. We got to keep preaching that to ourselves. Third lesson is you are not indispensable. Right? I know you, some of you are like, what? If I don't take it out of the trash, who's going to take it out? Somebody will eventually take it out. If there's like dead things growing in it. Right? And, and, we, we don't like hearing that. We like to hear that we are necessary. I'm critical of this board. I'm, if no one's gonna, if I'm not here, this thing won't move forward. And, and indis- indispensability is a myth. If I drop dead tomorrow, hoping that doesn't happen, but if I do, someone's gonna be preaching next Sunday. Hopefully not on like the discipline of God on Bill or something, but somebody will be up here next week. And this, this, this train will keep moving. It just will. And some of you feel like, I gotta, I'm, I'm the one that breaks this thing go. I got to plug all the holes. God is not looking for you to meet everything and every demand. He is not looking for a fourth member of the Trinity. There's not a job opening. You're not applying. Right? And if you feel, really feel that you're so critical, take a couple months off and see how uncritical you are. Spurgeon In his sermon on this passage, he told a great illustration. He speaks of a fly that's on the side of the cathedral of St. Paul with thousands of people moving in and out every Sunday morning. And he said that fly might tend to think as he looks down at the thousands of people that that he is holding this, he's responsible for all this and he has to stay put on the wall, otherwise everything's going to fall apart. 
He's sustaining it by standing on that wall. He said, how silly is that? This is the same for us when we think that, God, we're so critical to everything. He, he, in his sermon, says this, I love you to think that Christ will do much work by you. That's what we want, right? And to attach much weight to it. But as for Jesus needing us, this thing is preposterous, right? No one's indispensable. Does God want to use you? Yes. Does God desire to use your gifts and, and you? Yes. Does God need you? Nope. Doesn't, right? And here's the last point, and this is a big one too, that we want to worship like Mary and then serve like Martha. This is not a, I choose Mary over Martha. Like, Mary is not lazy, just so you know. She's not sitting around, doing nothing, checking Instagram, you know, at Jesus' feet. She is not just some lazy person. Different personality, yes. But she is a, she's a go-getter too. I mean, she's constantly following Jesus. She's constantly doing stuff. And we're, what we're not saying, and understand me, that, you, that what we have to do, a spiritual person is someone who spends 30 hours a day in a quiet time. And that's their Christianity. That's not what we're saying. If you're just spending all this time studying the Bible and then you don't do anything, then you're missing the point, y'all. The Word of God equips us for every good work. That Jesus has prepared good works beforehand that we might walk in them. And so the point is not, I'm just going to study the Scripture and I'm going to go be a monk in a a monastery somewhere and that's going to be the great spiritual life. No, the point is, first worship, then work. First connect with your Savior, then go out. Because what we're, some of us are doing is we're, we're working so that we think we can connect. No, no, no. Fuel your soul and let the fuel for your soul then go drive you to do something. That's what we're talking about. Worship like Mary, work like Martha. And this is why, look, this is why I love what we do with two services. Because, because and I know some of you have come from churches <coughs> Excuse me. You've come from churches and you've been burnt out. You're at the church 17 nights a week. I mean, boom, 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 boom. You know, this, uh, and you just were burnt out. Gotcha. I hear you. That's why we have said from day one, we just want you to do one thing. One thing. We, we keep it as simple as we can. We do it on purpose. We're fighting complexity all the time. But some of you have misunderstood simplicity for lackadaisicalness and you got to understand what we what the way we do things here is we we desire for you to come and sit at the feet of Jesus and his word and then go serve like Martha and is this whole deal only works if we have everyone worshiping like Mary and then serving because what we have a lot of times is we got a bunch of Marthas that are burning themselves out because some of the Marys are just sitting there and then they don't get to work <clears throat> and we've always said from day one what we want you to do is attend the service serve a service right and if we have about 700 members uh, or you know something like that I don't even know the exact amount at this church if all 700 were doing one thing I mean, you'd be on like twice a month at the most, right? As it is, we probably have 250 people doing everything, which is why people get burned out. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to recruit nursery workers or all these other things. That's not why I'm saying it. I'm saying it because some of us love being Mary and we consider that real spiritual because I went to church, but we're not being Martha and both are necessary in the kingdom, right? 
You worship like Mary, you fill your soul, and then you serve. <coughs> Man, I don't know what's wrong with me. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. All right? That's where we're at. And really, as we close, what are we looking for? What we're looking for, there's this great passage in the book of Acts. When the apostles, it says Peter and the apostles went out from, they just were being challenged by the Pharisees, and they were just bold. And it, and it says this great little line that says, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This is one of my favorite phrases in the New Testament. What we're looking for is just a bunch of folks. When you go out to work on Tuesday, when you go to school on Thursday, when you're on vacation, whatever, that, that people will be like, that person has been with Jesus. I mean, wouldn't that be a great thing? Instead of, that person is obnoxious. That guy is a jerk. That woman won't stop talking. Wouldn't it be great if it was said of you? That person was with Jesus. Wouldn't that be a great thing? That's, that's what we're after. That you sit at the feet of the Savior, and then you go out into the world and work like Martha. That's, that's what we're after. That's what we want. That's the church, right? Thanks, Bubba. I'm almost done, but I'll drink it. And that's what we want for you guys, right? That's what we want to be. And so let me just encourage you to worship like Mary, to serve like Martha, right? That the love of Christ would compel you. We're gonna, we're gonna get some sitting at the feet of Jesus time. I know some of you, Marthas are like, great day in the morning, I got emails and I got stuff to do and I got to find out what's trending on Twitter and I got, you know. So let me just encourage the Marthas to chill for a little bit longer. The beach will still be there. Work will be there, all those things. I, I just want us to sit at the feet of Jesus. Y'all, think about it. I mean, when you think about they, these people sat in the same room with the Savior. And this is not just like some pie in the sky story. They, Jesus was there, and they're in a little room, probably 12 by 12, probably, you know, 30 of them crowded in, and the Savior is there, and they're sitting at his feet, and he's loving them and speaking to them, and that's what he wants to do today. He may not be physically present, but by his spirit and in his church, he is here. And he's just like, CBC, do you want to you gather with me? Just sit at my feet. I want to do something. So as we worship, and we got some oldies but goodies for you, all right? Just this, I, what my desire and Ethan's desire is that this would be a time to bless you, that you get to sit at the feet of Jesus, that you get to talk to him, that you get to sing to him, right? And so use this to kind of jumpstart your summer. This is going to be the summer. At the end of the summer, you're going to be like, what'd you do this summer? I was with Jesus. What a great summer that would be. I spent some time with Jesus, and it's radically changed me.